0: In 1999, SDCF hosted a panel moderated by Barbara Houtman featuring Seth Barish, Douglas Carter-Bean, Jan Buttram, Jeremy Dobrish, and Greg Naughton about the relationship between directors and artistic directors. Hello, I'm SDC director Kathleen Marshall, and you are listening to SDCF Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the American Theatre Wing. The SDCF has released these archives in an effort to further education regarding the crafts of direction and choreography. Because this program was not initially recorded for the purpose of broadcast, it is not of the highest technical quality. Portions of the conversation may have been edited to improve the overall quality of the broadcast.
1: Uh, we're delighted to see so many of you here today,
2: and I'd like to introduce the panel. It's sort of like an applause meter. <laughs> Jeremy Dobrich.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's for me as Theatre Company. This is Douglas Carter Bean, who's much taller than I, I ever thought, thought. <laughs> from the Drama Department. <laughs> this is Greg Naughton
2: from Blue Light. <laughs> Dan Buttrum, an old Texas girl like me, <laughs> from <laughs> Abingdon Theatre.
3: <laughs> and Seth Barish from the Barrel Group. So,
1: everybody's going and then you can ask them all kinds of questions. Uh, I'd like to start off with just asking each artistic director to give you a very brief description of their theater and the mission behind it and how long they've been in existence and perhaps what their most recent and upcoming production is and was. So why don't we just start with
2: Jeremy? I just want to know, what kind of theaters are we? <laughs> in
1: the outside New York, the downtown, the bigger? You are the, uh, the excellent. <laughs> uh, well it's all about the work <laughs> uh, well let's see Adobe started about eight years ago um,
2: we were literally six friends who had gone to Wesleyan together hit New York, decided we wanted to start our own theater company And uh, when we started we really we had no clue, we had no mission statement we didn't know what we were doing we were just putting on plays and uh, everybody said you know, you need a mission, you need a mission and uh, we We said, okay, our mission is uh, we do what we want to do, because we had no better answer. Uh, And what was really nice about that is it actually let us just do what we wanted to do while nobody cared. And then a couple years later, as people did start to care, sort of look back and say, all right, we did what we wanted to do. What was it? And uh, we were then able to define it. And basically what we say now is that we're trying to appeal primarily to a younger audience, um, people in their twenties and thirties—not uh, to exclude older audiences, but to focus on that with a certain aesthetic. And that aesthetic is a very um, entertaining and thought-provoking aesthetic that sort of jumbles a bunch of different uh, flashpoints of cultural influences together. So it could be, uh, you know, a Shakespeare play, a comic book, a film, a soap opera, a sports figure—just anything we can grab. We throw it together. We turn it into something that is hopefully very theatrical, um, and that's our that's our work. Uh, we do about usually about three plays a year. Um, a lap, we have a play running now called uh, Meanwhile on the Other Side of Mount Vesuvius. Uh, our biggest sort of hit to date was Duet Tram last year, and uh, that's who we are. Where's the current play being done? Uh, at the Ohio Theater in uh, Soho.
4: Ramanapam, uh, we're on our fourth season. Um, we started, I think the way most theater companies start now, which is just, uh, I just think it's a really exciting time for theater companies because there were a lot of, when I, when I first started in the theater, because um, I'm so elderly now, when I first started in the theater, there were just so many of these old, big, standard theater companies, and they, they went away for a number of reasons. Um, And that was really sad, but what was really encouraging is that everybody else just started up theater companies for really no other reason than they wanted to put on plays, or they were frustrated with the way their theater careers were going. Um, The latter was was pretty much what it was for me and and the people who founded Drama Department. We were all uh, actors, writers, directors, designers who were working on Broadway or off. And we're very frustrated that we didn't have says. We didn't have a say in our careers. We didn't get to choose what we did. We, were, we didn't get to come up with an idea of what to do. We were put in a situation where they we would show up and audition or interview and meet people. And it was very frustrating. Um, it's a very frustrating place to be, especially when you go to meet a, a wildly successful commercial producer. And they'll tell you what they want to do as a writer and say, I have this idea for a musical based on The Stefford Wise or whatever. And you go, well, no, that really sucks, and you have so much money. That's so,
1: that's so unfair.
4: Why is it that people have really, The think and Wise is a pretty good idea, but that, ignore that. But, but there are, now suddenly I'm hearing them singing. But um, there are, but there are why, why, couldn't, why couldn't a director start a project? Why couldn't an actor start a project? Why couldn't a playwright you know, put the show together himself? And that's really what the Drama Puppet started. And every one of our shows has been started by someone in the company. No one outside the company has said, oh, here's an idea. Um, our first show was Kingdom of Earth, which was uh, John Cameron Mitchell, who had never directed a play before as an actor, a wonderful actor, later went on to be Henry. Um, but he, uh, he thought he wanted to direct, and that would be great. Second play we did was June Moon, a forgotten play from the 20s that... Mark Nelson, who's a wonderful actor, also had never directed. Um, then the next play was his Bees and Honey Drown, which is a play I had written, which Mark Brokaw directed. Um, and this is, and now the company is, is up and going, and it's at a place where I'm, I'm really enjoying it, because I don't have to be a fire starter or a cannon of anybody's ass and say, like, come on, we have a theater company, let's produce something. It's like, everybody's coming and stuff. Uh, you know, Lisa Peter would say, "I found this play from 1911 by this feminist writer. You know, let's let's do a reading. And we read a play every week. Every Thursday afternoon, we're reading a play. Um, an old play, a new play, uh, doesn't matter. Um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which was a, which was a which was a huge success for us and a wonderful success for us, started as." something after we had read an older play which had racism in it. Someone had used the expression Uncle Tom, and we were all saying, what is Uncle
1: Tom's Cabin? What
4: is that? We don't really know it. And we started reading it, and we read through an old melodrama version of it, and we just became fascinated and started working on it. So that's what we do. We just tend to do stuff from uh, people within the company, and every we do a show, we add actors and directors and designers into the company who work with us. It's, just, it's a very easy way of doing it. I don't, I'm not a big fan of auditioning people, or people. I just like to work with them and then just kind of So next for us is, we just started rehearsals last week for uh, Two One Act Plays by Peter Hedges and Richard Greenberg, directed by Evan Lewis. And uh, it's Holly Draper and uh, Phil Seymour Hoffman.
1: And um,
4: it's just really great actors
1: really
5: wonderful after and put behind him and Fridway and grab a drink Well, i will off that after I uh I'm uh, Greg Norton from uh, Blue Light Theatre Company. And um we started in November of ninety four, uh much the same uh with the same impetus. Uh, um I had felt in a group of friends some of whom were college friends some of whom were just friends from, from various shows and stuff uh, I was an actor uh, kind of still am an actor but things get too busy when you're running a theater company I haven't been doing much but um there wasn't there was a period right in the early 90s I guess where there wasn't that much going on there's so much more going on now I agree with him it's a much more exciting and, and unfortunately challenging time I think all of us, all these theaters, are now competing for uh, an audience that is growing, but not growing at the same rate that the amount of production is growing. Um, but at that time, there was not the sense of community that that uh, I at least now feel is out there. And uh, I was fortunate enough to work at a lot of regional theaters and, and uh, off-Broadway and around. And I was not satisfied with the experience felt that it was a very mercenary environment that I tended to be working in and everybody was just out to try and cover their own ass get a pilot something and I didn't feel this you know lovely thing called the collaboration or or a purpose and I thought okay well this isn't why I went to the theater um let's try to do some some of this shit ourselves (laughs) and uh so we started by trying to do stuff that was Classical in nature, stuff that emphasized language, physical style, of the ensemble, and specifically wanted to put young actors together with uh, veteran actors. That was part of the the whole idea, because at that time a lot of the big theaters that were still here, and these new theaters that had, hadn't yet come up, um, were all about uh, new plays, playwrights, playwrights, and um, and. Uh, and about the vision of an artistic director, but not really about actors' companies. Now there are a bunch of them. Um, so that was the the, uh, the impetus, and we've tried to do large cast plays as much as we can afford to do them, um, and plays that are classical, new end, new end, and uh, classic plays of a classical scope, emphasizing language, physical style, the ensemble, and um, we started off with a play called uh, Tom Stoppard stars Hamlet *Cahoots*, Macbeth which did everything from Commedia dell'Arte to uh, to Shakespeare and and it just went so well and there was such a strong feeling of uh, purpose behind the group doing it and we said okay let's incorporate and do this and so now four years down the road we've done things like uh, Golden Boy Clifford Odette's play um, we did a Howard Barker play called Scenes from an Execution. Uh, we just did uh, Oedipus, a new a new version of Oedipus, four and a half hour long version of Oedipus uh, in the fall. And um, we're doing a, a new British play at the moment called uh, The Pitchfork Disney, uh, which is out here, running through April 25th. Please come see it. Um, and uh, it's actually... An interesting time for us because I'm uh, I'm going to step back next year and take sort of a, a semi-sabbatical, and Peter Manning uh, of the New York stage and film for a few years and, and just recently produced uh, Sideman um, is going to select next season. He's going to come on, and we're going to have a team, uh, and possibly just for the year, and then I will come back. But uh, I'm at the moment working on a writing project, so I need some time off from that. And that's that's my story. I'll get something to drink. <laughs> yes.
3: Abington. Abingdon. Abingdon started uh, about five to six years ago. I, I quibble with it because for the first year, we just raised money. And we were very good at that. <laughs> that. Looking back on it was the golden days when we were just out to sort of raise money. And we got enough money to... Produced some staged readings and the wildfire began and we decided to actually do a night of one acts. From that, we started doing full main stage productions. We have slipped, we have slid, we have tumbled, we have laughed, we cried. It's now we're in our sixth season. And uh, I think all of the things that you guys have said have informed where we started. The difference I guess so far that I can see is that we only do new plays by American playwrights. Um, We uh, are very set on that. New plays by American playwrights. It causes certain problems because with a brand new script you can't go see five productions of it before you decide to mount it. So we are sometimes you know, a little puzzled about how to benefit the play in the best way. A lot of it goes down to the director, and choosing the best best director for a project is, is no mean feat. Most of our uh, product from product has come uh, out of the company. Um, we have a four-stage process, the first being an in-house reading. We have a little mini-step before that. If we see a play and we think there might be a glimmer of hope in that, we'll stage a little reading for the playwright and some people sitting around but that's the then we do an in-house reading and we have about 20 to 30 people who are really interested in getting involved in the process of developing theater they come in they hear this very loose in-house reading they give a few comments back to the playwright as few as we can possibly hold them down to and try to be as positive as they can possibly be From there, if we see that this playwright wants to work with us and we see a director in the group that's been around and we know we can work with, we'll try to get a marriage going between a playwright and a director and then we'll move it on up to a staged reading. The stage reading has maybe 10, 12 hours of rehearsal. Um, We provide space. We provide water. (laughs) And then from that... We put out a small mailing. We try to bring in a little outside audience. Um, From that, we take comments from the audience. Very interesting. We get another look at the piece. We, again, see how well that playwright's going to work with being adaptable to what we think his play is (laughs) about. But he's also (laughs) telling us what he thinks his play is about or she (laughs) thinks her play is about. From that we try to see if we can move on. We move on to what is a workshop production, where we have a minimal budget. We have three weeks rehearsal. We're trying to move that up from a two-week rehearsal period. Um, I came out of this Circle Rep lab uh, uh, and I thought that worked pretty well when we were back at Circle Rep as a writer. You know, we would, we'd throw them up and look at them for one weekend with lights, minimal lights, minimal costumes, minimal rehearsal, but you get to see it staged. And for a new play, one that hasn't ever been done by anybody, anywhere, anytime, any anyplace, uh, maybe sometimes out in small theater companies we have brought in things from, that have been done in L.A. in a small production out there, but here that hasn't been done in New York City at all. Uh, if we find that it's playing well to the audience, that it's playing well, if, if we're working well, because it is a collaborative process at Abingdon, we build the sets, we build the stage, we hang the lights, we, we do all of that. So in order for us to have the enthusiasm to, to do all of that hard work, we have to really like the director. <laughs> we have to really like the playwright. And we have to really love the actors. We do. But I'm just saying it is collaboration, 100% collaboration, all along the line. The director has to know where we're coming from the actors have to know where we're coming from and that that this is an endeavor of love we're not making any money yet as a matter of fact we're losing money then we go into the final stage of production which is our most exciting time which is full tilt boogie we try to give you a tier one showcase production on 42nd street maybe i don't know from now on because that is a little you know who knows what's going to happen with those spaces we try to give you a budget you can work with. We give you all the um, moral support <laughs> and artistic support we can. We have, by that time, hopefully, worked up a collaboration with you that we can be honest with you and tell you what we honestly think. You know, like Something like, I can't see the actors on stage. <laughs> I think we have a problem with the lighting. And, and we expect people to come back and go, well, okay, I'll fix it. You know, or something like that. Some some collaboration takes us forward. And from that, we've managed uh, to get three very good reviews from the New York Times on our last three productions. We've slowly built an audience. Really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> well, for a long time, we didn't get reviewed at all. And we like that not at all. <laughs> because you do all this work. You want some response, even if it's negative sometimes, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then... Um, we it, it, we're out there and and we have the last production I can brag a little bit on that we did like ninety six percent sold attendance to our last production, which ran four weeks and so we're we're really redefining ourselves though so it's a very intricate place for us to be right now as a theater company because of burnout, and I'm sure all of these gentlemen here are you know familiar with that thing that happens to you producing theater is extremely hard and it takes all your time, it takes your energy, that's why Greg was taking on the sabbatical that's great, but uh, um, it's it's a great group of people, I can't say enough good about the people we have a tremendous board of directors they're really behind us, they really believe in what we're doing, we're shuffling, we're redealing, we're always looking for how to benefit the play the best how can we put up the best production that we can possibly put up
1: a fantastic managing
3: director. And we have this incredible managing director who does not let us spend a penny over what has been budgeted. Sam Ballinger. It's Sam, Sam Bellinger over here who works at SSTC, and he actually has been with us for the last five years, and, and I have often said, if Sam goes, I go. And, and my partner, Pamela Paul, we're in a very good position that way um, because there are two artistic directors, and she's an actress, and I'm a playwright. So when she goes out of town to work or do, does something else or I simply get too tired because my play's been up Then she can sort of move and we can sort of spell each other a bit, but it's a, it's a great group of people
1: great. Now I think the longest uh, or the oldest of the companies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
6: I, I was just sitting here and it's really bizarre to realize that in this particular grouping as a company Not as a person obviously, but maybe as a person too. I don't know and the vet <laughs> really <laughs> strange for me, but anyway, um the the Barrow Group has been in existence since 1986 so it's 13 years old and uh, we have four divisions we have the sort of production division which we produce one or two plays a year we have a school the Barrow Group School we have uh, a program which we call a TOPS program which is theater outreach program for students where we do theater workshops for disadvantaged teens throughout the five boroughs and we have a sort of developmental wing where we do a bunch of uh, readings and workshops and uh, of new material or on occasion uh, if somebody's considering a revival but it doesn't want to just go for a show or the company isn't ready yet to support a full-blown production we'll do workshop productions of that that's uh, what we consist of we started uh, similar story a bunch of people trying to you know shape their destiny um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the I, I suppose it's worth talking we, we sort of over the years gravitated and, and, and revolved around a, uh, a performing aesthetic that is best way I can describe this sort of documentary-esque the idea is to, is to try to arrive at a mode of performing where it doesn't feel like hopefully you're watching actors so much and it feels like you're in the room with real people when it comes to the production element side of things it's varied we've done shows that are wildly theatrical and shows that are completely documentary-esque and it just varies on the needs of the play plays are chosen uh nowadays by uh myself and my co-artistic director lee brock uh and They're chosen with extensive feedback from the company. We have a resident ensemble of actors and directors and designers that number about uh, 15 or so. And uh, our next project is a play by Jeff Daniels, the actor. It's called By Kingdom's Coming. We'll be doing that uh, this spring at the Neighborhood Playhouse. And um, that starts. first preview is May
1: 21st. Very funny. Uh, you say? I've heard about it. Yeah. you heard it, yeah. yeah. okay. I hope you've heard good things. Yes. Um, and yeah, I said. That, yeah, that that, that's way? fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll get right to the question that everybody is dying to know, and that is how um, directors come to you, how you find it, them, how um, these directors are selected for a particular project. Um, they only come from in the company, or do you take it? out of the company, and uh, how, first, let's start with that, how they come to you and how you select them for a particular project. Anybody want to jump in?
3: Well, I'll take off because it's easy. Uh, It's an open door in the situation of Abingdon. We read a new play every two weeks on Monday nights at 7 o'clock at 432 West 42nd Street, 4th floor. And uh, it's a new play. So it has not got a director attached to it. And what we do, though, is that, uh, you know, the faces that come around and hear the new plays and find something that they like or even submit plays for us to read that you have interest in, um, then it has to be read, of course, by our literary department, which is also Cindy Ohanian back here as our literary manager. I wonder why I was asked to be on this panel. Uh <laughs> but at any rate then uh, the people who show the interest in the company we show interest in them you know it's it's pretty simple that way and uh, a lot of new work a lot of new work is seen there. every two weeks we see a new play out of the 26 weeks in the uh, 26 20 plays that we read throughout the year I would imagine that 15 to 8 you know don't have directors with them at that time so Really, what we're looking for our people to do is to come in and, and see something and own it and take a responsibility for it and look at it. And that doesn't, you know, mean that suddenly we're going to hire you. You've got three other stations to make. But at least you can sort of begin to know some playwrights and playwrights that you haven't met before. It's a total open door. Anybody can walk in. We have about 54 seats and probably, you know, 30 of them are taken on any given night. And, you uh, so then the process begins, and it, it's no quick and easy solution, but I've yet to find one in theater, so... Okay, good. Okay. Uh, well,
5: we do, we have a company uh, as well, and most of our projects thus far have come out of the company, and the uh, directors have always had some uh, direct association with the company um, thus far. I find it, uh, the hardest uh, part of the puzzle to put together, though. Um, being a director is definitely the most challenging last piece of, of producing the show, uh, and I find a, a lot of... what we try to do is, is find act, uh, directors who are real actors, directors, And i are going to allow uh, the actors a a journey and an experience, and hopefully have something uh, to teach them or offer them in some way. Um, Because we do try to work with a lot of the same actors again and again, and give them opportunities over our associate artists, which is a kind of core group, um, to do things that might be stretches and and that sort of thing. But I, I, it'd be interesting to see how it goes from here, because we're kind of at this, uh, this point where we're trying to decide whether we kind of uh, stay with a kind of committee-ish uh, uh, artistic
1: situation,
5: <laughs> or whether we go on to something more institutional, and uh, I can't tell you which way it's going to go at the moment. I think what we're, what we're doing actually a little bit is, is testing the waters on the institutional side. We'd like to become a more full-service organization and do more new plays, do more plays a year. We do three now. We do three and then we do uh, probably 16 readings, uh, public readings, we do in-house readings as well. Um, but uh, we are hoping to try and do more with new plays and, and specifically try to encourage some playwrights to write larger plays. Um, so, we're going to test those waters and see uh, see how the development of the organization works with that. And I think next year might be a bit about that, especially with Peter, who's had more uh, experience with with uh, new plays and that sort of thing through New York Station film. Um you have a
4: show running in New York call the drama department or send a postcard. Uh, I, go, I try to go to the theater about four or five times a week. I love it. It's my hobby. <laughs> um, that's one. Number two, if you know somebody in the company, approach them and say, hey, I've got this idea. We tend to go by projects. Uh, in terms of what the projects are, they can be anything. Um, uh, so far, people say that we only produce forgotten American plays and contemporary American <laughs> plays. That's just because that's all we've done. People come up with our criteria for us, which I thought was woo, what a breeze. Uh, <clears throat> it's only happened so far. <clears throat> I'm not interested in English plays right now because I'm just over English plays right now. That's <laughs> where I'm at. As, a, as an American writer, I'm a little, a little frustrated with Anglophilia. Um, but that's it. I mean, uh, that's not to say I wouldn't, you know, fall in love with an English play. Uh, but it's very. You're open to direct
1: directors
4: from outside the company. Absolutely. But again, for a director outside the company, it should be a project affiliated with somebody in the company. But we have 40 actors, designers, and anyone can start a project. So if nobody in the company should say, hey, I've got this idea, can we do a reading at the drawing department? We do one every Thursday. From then, we go up to, uh, if you like it, we can do a workshop, we can do a reading of it. We have a reading series, and uh, we do four, which are four plays, which are for the subscribers, which are I think so far everything we've done in the reading series has been done, but not necessarily by our company. Um, we're, we're very much into the idea of, like, we – because Mickey Silver's in the company, we read his uh, his last play at the Vineyard, and his next play he'll do at the Vineyard. He did, he did first as a reading with us, just because I think it's uh, – because we only do three shows a year, we can't be uh, greedy about it. We have to kind of let the shows happen and, and really – So, we're very interested in in the process of making theater
6: happen. Um, We, as I mentioned before, we're really only doing one or two main stage shows a year. And, uh, so, uh, those directing slots are slim thickens. We have many more readings, we do about Oh, I, I would say we do about 16 public readings a year and anywhere between two to six workshops um, that would be a, a more of an opening for people that we're not familiar with to come in and, and work and it would be it would be project related if you have a specific project submit it and again if you also if you know somebody who's in the company the personal touch goes far in this business um, also for what it's worth we the the school has become sort of an extended talent pool for a variety of reasons and a lot of people that have ended up working in shows come through that but by no means you know is an official arrangement there's a lot of people that work with the school that end up never working with the company proper so uh, it's just a weird thing you know when you're around people you get to know them, and eventually you get to know their work, and they get to know your work. And somewhere along the line, you go, "Hey, let's do this together."
1: Um, that's 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 going to work. Okay. <laughs>
2: we have a real tough time finding directors because we what we do is very specific, and the company is is putting out plays that are different from each other, but all share very certain goals and aspirations and artistic sensibilities. And so we're always looking for people who are familiar with the kind of work that we do. Um, we get a lot of unsolicited resumes and, you know, and they're very nice, and, but um, it's really important to us that, that our directors have seen a lot of our plays, understand what we're trying to do, and uh, you know, like with anybody else, you, you sort of hang out and you get to know each other and, and you realize, wow, this person's smart, they know what they're doing. Uh, they understand what we're doing. They have a vision for this play, and you know, and great. Um, another thing that we have done is we do a uh, ten-minute play festival called Fleet the Time. Uh, we have one coming up this Monday at you know, the Ohio Theater, um, and that for us is a really good sort of testing round. You know, it runs one night, two nights. It's a ten-minute play. There's no budget, um, and. It gives us an opportunity to look at new writers, directors, and actors and say, hey, you know, they sort of, they get what we're doing, they get what we're about. This little 10-minute example is a good example. The guy who uh, is directing our show now, meanwhile on the other side of Mount Vesuvius, he started, he did a fleet of time with us and, uh, and knocked us out and we said, yeah, you know, he gets it. And he had seen a bunch of our plays and off we went. He also
1: knew people in the company and, you know, and that does always help. Um, um, this, anybody can take uh, a take hold of this one, but if somebody is going to present a project to you, a director, is going to bring you a project, what's the best approach? What, aside from um, knowing somebody else in the company, but is there a, is, you know, do you like to have personal conversations? Can they, can they get, you know, can they have access to you to talk about things? Do people send you letters and, and scripts, and, and what, what do you respond to?
4: Money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've gotten that offer and it's always the I know, it's piece of like... garbage yeah. I'm 000. kidding, we've never done that there's $100,000 right. for you Like, oh man I only halfway liked it <laughs> <laughs> but
1: now it's always horrible I don't think I've ever had that uh, <laughs> <laughs> stick
4: around <laughs> um, um, for us again it's just someone from the company and it's again, it's so I wanted something that would be so easy, and I know when I say it, it sounds clicky. Like, you have to know somebody in the company. <laughs> but it is so, I find it is just so easy to do, because so many of our people are in the theater. I mean, it's just, you look at the list, it's like, oh, it's everybody. It's like, you know, and it's a wonderful outreach. They know people. and. Uh, Different director, different writers every week. I mean, it's really—it's a wonderful way. You get to read stuff and go, "Oh, this is interesting," and you say, hey listen this is neat." Now, what I'm makes it inter- what makes it
1: interesting? What are you respond? To? I
4: think mean, just everybody knows. I, I have yet to be there and go, "No, but I like it." That has never happened. I usually just go, "Hey, there's something here. There's something here," and and sometimes a writer will say, "I, I need to go off," and or a, writer, a director come with something and they go, "Listen, Matt, we need to do some work on this," and I say, "Bring it back." I mean, we we provide a service, you know, as opposed to reading. Because I know that, when I was a young
1: writer,
4: that was the toughest thing of all, was having to play Red, just to hear Red.
3: Well, I can add to that, that that I think what I keep hearing is patience. I mean, with any of the companies that you're going to be working with, is that it's, the process has already begun with so many plays, and so where we're sitting is we've got projects that are in all kinds of stages, so to walk in with a completely new project, you know, and suddenly expect um, us to put down everything else that we're doing (laughs) and and pick up that project is is a a bit Pollyanna, Um, but um, there is it is a service And, and, and if you have a property that you believe in, and you keep looking and keep knocking on them, the doors and keep and and respect the work that's going on within the, the company um, and be true to that company's agenda or belief. Then you simply have to submit it and sort of be willing to nurture it through the stages that it's going to take. And you might bring in a, a project that is just going to blow everybody away, but with the way you have to go at budgeting and the way you have to go at planning a season and the commitments that you have already made in the past, it's going to be a a long process. It's not going to be a quick and easy thing. So I think that when you submit anything to any theater company, I think you have to have a a six-month period where you're just sort of giving them time to ingest the material and get it within the, the the radar screen and and certainly you know if you know someone if you know someone it's always easier right i mean it's always easier if you know someone that's with that's worked with the company or has some input into the artistic decisions and i have people that i work with that i trust if they bring me they've done so much work for me <laughs> if Drake bring me something i go boy that's got the stamp on it and let's see what we can do with it but even with that, uh, if you're only producing two or three shows a year completely, unfortunately we don't have the budgets that's going to allow us to, nor do I I. I want to be a commercial producer, where all I do is produce. I I. I facilitate writers, I facilitate directors, and uh, I'm not a commercial producer. So when you bring a project to me, it's. I rarely look at things that are sent to me in the mail. Um, because I have a feeling that that property, especially, is so well marketed that you've already got a venue for that somewhere, and, 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 and or we'll find a venue and have an idea of it. Ours is about development, taking something that's very small and precious and trying to build it up to something that's great. I
5: yeah, I think uh, um, it's definitely the hardest. Uh, it's the hardest thing to. to to know is to learn about uh, new directors and uh, definitely work doing something that uh, that we can see um, is the first step I think uh, if I was going to try and put together a a project and wanted to work with a particular company uh, I would go find somebody in the company who I know is a wonderful actor and say, I got this project, and uh, <laughs> you, know, you want it, you want it, it's a great role for you, and uh, and I'd like to you to introduce it to, uh, to the company for me. Um, that has happened, and uh, uh, I'll admit that sometimes when that happens, you know, I go, because if some director who I don't know comes in and he's attached to a really wonderful play, it, it, can, it can be dicey because you have to know something about these people before before you can hire them, I feel. Um, my favorite directors are actors, actors or who were actors. Um, so I think uh, whatever that's worth, getting to know actors and being involved with them, and in fact acting with them, is uh, probably the best way uh, the best way in on uh, a lot of these company based theaters. Yeah.
6: So how do you get to know the actors and people in your company? I know with the Bill a after the show kind of has with the cast and everybody else. So it's an opportunity to meet these people. But so what about the other company I know for reading that's mm-hmm. open to that
1: sure remember? Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. Well we do auditions for actors. It's very you know, it's hard because you don't do auditions mm-hmm. really for directors. I wish there was an easy way you could it. Uh, Present your stuff in a five minutes, you know, and and really learn something uh, about somebody. I don't think sending out your resume is particularly effective. I mean, for me, it isn't, uh, um, unless it's a significant resume and you're going come see this wonderful project that I'm doing at the moment. Um, but we do a lot of a lot of events and readings and parties and things like that. And uh, you know, I would suggest that if you're interested in getting involved with certain companies, you come along with. You know friends or people you know who work with the companies um, and uh, come to these parties and get to know the people. That's certainly the only way in I think. parties.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on the website. Well, I would talk to the,
5: to the people in the company. I would imagine you know most people here would know somebody from, from, uh, from some of these yeah. companies. I mean,
4: here. It's also for our company it's not just actors and writers and directors it's also designers, right. stage managers. We put stage managers in the company this year we had a long thought and talked about it we didn't realize they were a part of theater and <laughs> so we decided to put them in so we have six stage managers in the company so I mean we're trying to I'm trying to get the and there are three producers I'm trying to get the web out there as a way of you know getting it out there because because an actor you know like this I didn't get to see Hot House I missed it one of the actors and I said this director was great God I work with them. I'm like oh that's cool let's find something you know like that's that's the kind of thing that happens She's right here right now. She's like, return, I wouldn't return my call. It. But anyway. Um, but it's great to be in a room full of directors. At uh, one moment I looked down and everyone was taking notes.
1: <laughs> well, I, I didn't know who was going to get them, but I saw them all.
4: <laughs> it, was like a sorrow, like. it was such a, like a vision.
1: Do you all have any questions for our panel? Yes. I was wondering, um, nonprofit
3: versus commercial aspect of... I don't know what I'm talking about, but the whole
1: existence of the two and and the need or want to hopefully make money, but yet you want to do a teacher integrity and the concept of doing something new or not. So we were talking about moving a show from a nonprofit to a commercial
3: thing Yeah,
1: and how can you feel about, you know, is you know, that
3: reality. selling out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you yeah. Know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: you, know, you guys did a brilliant, a
4: brilliant thing that you, that you do, and I, I would actually be interested myself to hear your thoughts about that. What, which, 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 which,
1: which,
5: the way you start a project out, from what I understand, in a, in a very not-for-profit way,
4: and yeah. and, and have,
5: network of producers yeah i I mean mean, basically people are sniffing
4: around and my feeling is you should pay for that (laughs) pay to sniff (laughs) um i'm 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 real i this is just me as a person and i've noticed this about people in the company we are very very romantic about the theater we have because we tend to make our livings doing other things like film or television so the theater has become very chaste for us so we were real cutthroat about it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We love it so much. It is so precious to us. We don't want anyone to come in and tell us how to do it. We'll let the director direct it and the writer write it. And, and so we've been really a uh, front of it. Now, we do sometimes, if a project comes along, uh, as Bees and Honey Drown, I had, had commercial producers attached to it before we did it. There were people who wanted it. And I said, if you want it, you're going to have to help pay for our not-for-profit production as an enhancement. This is done all the time. It wasn't that, but I, I was really open about it. Most people, I think, are very demure about it. I'm like, no, you're paying now. Um, and then when As Bees and Honeydrowns sold to, to, uh, to Hollywood, um, film companies became interested in, in our plays. And I said, you're interested, you pay for it. So um, Newline has given us money for our next, for our last play and our next two plays, that they have first dibs to make these things in the films, but they have no say in what the plays are at all. They don't even get to. They actually are legally not allowed to show up until opening night. Because <laughs> I was, I just had visions of like someone in rehearsal going like, "No, you need a happy ending." And I'm like, <laughs> so they can't even come till, till opening night, and that that was just me kind of looking. Uh, knowing that the NEa was was really crippled and was asking me to to sign pieces of paper that i wasn 't comfortable to sign and uh, Foundations were going away and not interested in doing a theater company is not quote sexy to a corporation that was told to me um, if you did an event like black women reading plays, will give you $40,000, but if it's just going to be plays, you know, well, why don't we just put on plays, and if they happen to be black women, that'll be great, but don't tell me. And I was very frustrated by all that stuff, so I, I just thought, and I, on the other hand, everyone else seemed to want money from, to our material, so that, that's what we did, and um, so that's it. But, but, but when, like I always say, we have four weeks of rehearsal and a three-week run everything else is great most of our plays most of our plays have extended some of them haven't our first play didn't and our last play we did did not extend at all past three weeks Um, other things like uh, A Thousand's Cheer opened it was really great it ran all the way through the summer in our little theater and a commercial producer came and said we want to move it to an off-Broadway theater and we realized half the cast of six would leave to, to do television shows and we saw it, you know, that, we sat thought about it and said, you know what? Let's let it end. We did it. You know, we did everything to go in and put new people in. And, and, and it, it wasn't what it was. So let's just end it there. And uh, so that, that's what it is. It's about you, when you're doing the theater, when you do doing not-for-profit, you really got to, it's got to be about the work. And that that's the joy of it. That's the joy of it. What was
1: the right. process with Duet? I mean, that started in the Theatre and theater.
2: Um, Well, a uh, similar story, I suppose. Um, somewhat different. We, uh, we don't have people who are interested from the get-go in our work. Um, we were very fortunate to get a series of great reviews in the New York Times that gets people interested. They come down. Um, and with Duet, we had several producers who wanted to move it. We chose one. Um, you know, and having done Duet, we get more people interested. But w- we don't have any deals, any first looks, developments, anything like that. Not that we wouldn't, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it hasn't come our way. Um, you know, and so I think Doug is right, I mean, you just, you do the play you want to do, and you do it the way you want to do it, and if someone wants to move it, great, and if no one wants to move it, I mean, we don't have the money to move it, so we won't move it, and, you know, and that's fine. You, you do it for the sake of doing it. What about with Old Wicked
6: Songs? <laughs> Um, i look at songs that had, had a, like the play we're doing now, had a commercial producer attached at the get-go. Um, and on, uh, not as, uh, as Doug suggested, you know, there was no arrangement that the commercial producer would not be involved uh, throughout the process. So the commercial produ- producer was very involved. Throughout the process and uh, my my sense is it's probably a good idea if you can separate it it's probably a really good thing um, and uh, the show we're doing now also the same thing we have a commercial producer attached at, at the get-go with the hopes of you know they're obviously doing it at, at our level of production with the hopes of it you
1: know, going commercial transferring going and,
6: going commercial. and going commercial and if it doesn't it doesn't um, and that, that's sort of how those two processes work. The only other transfer we had was this sort of a quasi-transfer where we did Money Planet and uh, Circle Rep picked it up and put it in their season. But that was also not exactly a commercial production, so it was sort of like a side...
1: Non-profit.
6: Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. I, uh, I just don't think there's anybody would ever want to move anything that we do to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, four a four-and-a-half-hour... Oedipus with 14 (laughs) uh, actors is not a producer's uh, wet dream but uh, I I think it's I think it's interesting what different people do and the thing that we've done is we do this big benefit every year which uh, has basically brought on all our all of our big supporters and we uh, have fortunately gotten to know a number of rock stars and people and they come in and do this incredible benefit and we raised a couple hundred thousand dollars that night. And then it also all those people are big contributors. And so uh, that's how we basically funded. and Maybe someday we'll do something that uh, that might have uh, prospects. But generally looking at larger
4: plays and that kind of thing, we've kind of conceded that we are uh, not uh, in that arena. And commercially, Bees and Drone had a year running with did night but June Moon didn't make it it lost money in its moon. It's moon. and uh and the extensions pay for themselves that's all they do you know you're not living no, large yeah. off that extension you're like woo we're extended now no it's like <laughs> you are just literally like hoping that no but too, not too many people pay by credit cards for that weekend performance here so you can make you can make everything well. so that, but that's, but that's, but that's but that's that's great i mean as long as it pays for itself it's not wonderful yeah
1: I'd like to ask Seth, if you had told the commercial producer that yes, they would have, they could take it whenever they wanted to take it, but right now they can't, they can't come in from certain now?
6: Yes.
1: I don't know that? that, I mean, I
6: can't read their mind, but my strong sense is yes, in this case. But I think it's certainly possible, clearly it's certainly possible to, to enter into an arrangement where
1: did um, mm-hmm. you consider saying no just to find out if they say
4: goodbye. No. Did did they bring this to you, or was this yours? Oh,
6: well, it was. It was more complicated in this particular in the case. Well, it was. We both got there at the same time, oh,
1: okay.
6: and uh, so was mm-hmm. it. Was a slightly different situation. It wasn't like we had a product first, mm-hmm. and then they said, if you want this?" You know, we both kind of. It's like as if you know the, of the project was like both of our hands like this yeah. and we said oh well maybe we can work together you know so that kind of situation um I, I think that it is very possible to have and, and i think that you know my experience with producers is all, albeit limited i've worked with a couple over, over the years and i find you know very different relationships with different people some are very hands-on and you know, want to be in every aspect of it some are very hands off, just go do your thing and, and you know we'll step in when it has a, when you feel like there's a matter that's affecting the money. Um but, you know, I, I obviously I prefer the, the hands off approach.
1: it's a good fun. idea to get to know these people before you enter into yeah. an arrangement with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. I had a question for Doug. In the mm-hmm. situation that you spoke
6: of, um, where literally you kept produce the producers away and so and yeah.
4: you um, had an agreement, were those uh, cancellations or transfers? Do I remember? <laughs> These are my deals! I forget my plays, but I remember my deals! No. Um, the, uh, the deal for opening night was for was for New Line Final. That was for Film suit because I was very, I knew we were entering into a new field of but then I found out that in the 30s, Universal had a deal with a certain Broadway producers to produce all these plays. I had no idea. So I thought, cause I, thought I was you know, breaking the ground. So I was very, very leery of the idea of, because I just knew how precious theater was to me and to the people involved. And I, so that was that deal. Um, for his, The only other play was his Bees and Honey Brown, uh which was, you know, wasn't a dream situation, uh, ultimately when the show was up and going, but it was OK. But the um, but they they were respectful to to the, to the work also it, it helps to have big personalities I mean you know mark Brocon Doug Dean those are pretty those are two tall guys <laughs> who have a lot to say and can say shut up very easily I mean, don't talk to me about that you know no. I, remember, I remember when we moved into the theater you know the first commercial thing they said was where's Bo's belt you know like that said like okay great I mean, this is gonna be our problem yes. we kind of done it all, Kind of done the work. But yeah, you got to just think, they, they want to have something to say. They, they have to be involved.
6: And you don't want to alienate them either, but no.
4: Enhancement's tricky, but it's not good stuff. Yes?
0: So initially, when you have
3: the idea the, the idea, the dream, the goal to create a theater company, what's the first step to find the money for that? <laughs>
1: Um, you. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever find out, let me
6: know. <laughs> well, well, what I mean... steps
1: did
6: you go through in order to... Yeah, I'll, should I start? And then... yeah. uh, very quickly, we had started by... Uh, we, we had been working together for a year, and then at that point, with no intention to produce really, at that point we decided, hey, let's form a company, officially incorporate and produce, uh, or attempt to produce. and we began by putting a one night event together where we invited to the theater prospective board members and also put together an advisory board which was just a mm-hmm. list of famous people basically so that um, there was some legitimacy from an image proof point of view. Mm-hmm. And uh, then those, from that initial pool of people that came to that one night, we uh, formed a, our first board of directors and that got the ball uh, rolling. The, those people did not bring with them loads of money at all. Our first boards were, you know, just, we're not well-off people, but they were people who were very interested, and we just started to tap a larger and larger network, and, and eventually an organization built, you know, and, and that's what it does. Mm-hmm. Other uh, experiences? <coughs> well,
1: uh, and.
3: I think one of the, when I first started, um, actually, the, the idea was proposed to me by my partner, and because we had started reading plays, reading plays and reading plays, and then at, at full moon, actually, <laughs> at intermission, she said, why don't we start a theater company? And I said, it takes a lot of money to start a theater company. <laughs> and she said, well, I can get money. And, said, yeah. and, but indeed, we did start off. Uh, as using Epidromnus Guild and and use that room. I'm not sure that room is gone now.
1: Um, There's a, they have a, room, a different
3: room. They have a different room now. <laughs> uh, and and pull together some supporters and, and one person was good enough to give us our first five thousand dollars but then we could say well we have five thousand dollars and it's amazing if you can say we have five thousand dollars then suddenly you know some other people start giving you and, as I say, we did play readings in people's apartments. We put together, you know, women that we knew had fabulous apartments, and we'd have a little hors d'oeuvres, and we'd pick pieces of plays out, and, and then say, you know, we're starting this theater company. But I think a very useful thing to me was the Commercial Theater Institute. It, you know, it, uh, I did that for one weekend, and at least it's Commercial Theater Institute But at least I was around some people, and I heard some people talking about some of the ramifications. I got a couple of names that could send us in the right um, places for theater lawyers who help pro bono set up your 501c3 status. Once that, if you can achieve that, then people are a little more forthcoming about giving you money because it's tax deductible. Um, but I think that you really have to know that you don't want to do this. No, no, that it, it's, 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 it there's wonderful companies out there that you can join and help them start your own company. But um, it, it's a tremendous amount, and I think if in the beginning had I known, I, mean, it, I was listening to what um, the gentleman was saying about that just going week extended to production. Um, We were lucky enough to find producers, co-producers who walked in and said, we think this is very good. You've got a good little review here. Let's extend it two weeks and see if we can bring in other money people to keep it going. But just extending, you know, your eye is on that. Ah, it's going to be over in three weeks. It's going to be in just extending for two more weeks. What it does to you is amazing because still, you still have your processes involved in Getting it accomplished. So, um, if I had realized the, the commitment, the responsibility, I think, because the more you get involved in it, the more we do feel a tremendous sense of responsibility to the directors and to the artists that are working underneath us. Our chorus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. And um, uh, and 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 that, that that number grows and grows and grows until so you, sir, you. I can't shut this down now because <laughs> I can't pull back now and I have to be available more and more and more so it's really uh, probably the closest I don't have children but the closest thing I think to being a parent that you could possibly imagine uh, not being one and that is you know just having more and more and more and more responsibility so it's, it's really something to really consider I'm sure the empty space doesn't <laughs> doesn't mm-hmm. chime in on that because the, the, the problems that mount in, in personalities and in production are amazing but
1: it's also gratifying. fun. We need a pretty good picture. You can find resources about starting around the <laughs> yeah. And even an article by Jeremy Dobridge about how the Adobe started. So, you know, and that was Adobe. Being that's That's right. Uh
2: Yeah, when we started, there were six of us. And uh, we had no money. We had no resources. We didn't know anybody. And we said, everybody throw in as much money as you feel comfortable throwing in. You know, and we won't cast aspersions. We had $1,400. Uh, so that's what we did. We did our first show for $1,400. That was how much money we had. So we made it work. It ran three nights. And, uh, you know, it was what it was. It was It was, as my partner is fond of saying, it was modest in its aspirations and in its achievements. But <laughs> it got us started. Uh, you know, Greg was saying before that with their benefits they raise several hundred thousand dollars in a night. In our eight-year history, we haven't had several hundred thousand dollars come through our, our door. You don't need money. Um, you need a play. Um, that's really it. And uh, to get back to some of the stuff before about you know, who you need to know, how you get to know them, my advice would be no playwrights. You have a play that you think is fantastic, and that playwright thinks you're fantastic. You're in great shape. Because directors, I hate to say it, there are a lot of directors out there, and we all know directors who we love, who we think are terrific. Play, you have gotta have a play, and if we're really hungry for that play, and that playwright really believes in you, and says you've got to give this person a chance, talk to them, meet with them, you're doing, you're, you're in good shape at that point. Um, what do you got? I mean, I just
4: we hired a director last week for a, a, a woman, an actress in our company that's doing a one woman show, and she says this is the director for my story what am i going to say <laughs> no 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 now really think of no that she has made that decision and i have to support that decision because it is her story she is the playwright that is her story that is who she wants to direct it. evan you knew was i didn't go out and have coffee with Evans so and you must work with us sometime. rich greenberg and peter hedger said this is who we want to direct it and then i went
6: out and i said hi you've got this play
4: that's it's about those relationships and also sin I always say 10, but yeah, they only could do it with five others. I didn't know. But I always say, like, get 10 people who get along with and who have similar but not entirely identical aesthetic. Similar aesthetic. I mean, you don't want to, you know, five other you. So you want someone <laughs> who's <laughs> like, what the hell was that Baffy Duck thing? Who wants that? Well, whatever. <laughs> you want something who's just, like, pushing you in some weird direction. Um, and go, and just start doing it, and start reading. I mean, we did readings for, like, I mean, to the point where people were making fun of drama when we started out, because we did some big photo spread in some, like, glossy magazine. We did readings for, like, a year and a half. So we joked that we only did readings and photo shoots, you know, like, we never did it. And we finally put together a showcase, and it was it cost uh, $15,000, because that's exactly how much equity said a showcase could cost. And we went out, and I went out, and I got fifteen thousand dollars. And you know, you do, you know, and it, and, it, and it'll never be the same. It'll never, it'll never be that good. It'll never be that much fun. You want to add? I I, I do think it's amazing what you can do for nothing,
5: mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's well, it feels better. With nothing. It is, isn't it? And I think you know, people like Austin Pendleton have the <coughs> idea. Austin will go anywhere to do. A great, great theater. And I really, really admire that about him. And I think uh, there are so many great actors uh, who would do that. So if you have a good project, I wouldn't, I wouldn't
6: uh,
1: be worried about
5: going to uh, some great actors and saying, you know, I got this great project, you, you want to do it on the shoestring. Uh, I mean, our first show was five, five thousand dollar show. We ran it for nine performances, I think. Um, and, uh, it was, you know, it was a four-week rehearsal. It was, I think, fourteen or fifteen actors,
6: and uh, we
5: had a set. We had everything
6: for five thousand dollars, and it just was because,
5: you know, everybody put put their uh, their uh, elbow grease into it and not their pocketbooks. And uh, it's amazing now when we got productions that are, you know budgets up two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I'm starting to think. You know, it's, we are in a, a, I think Blue Light has an unusually good fundraising uh, uh, mechanism in place at at this moment, and I'm very proud of that. I'm also very wary of it, Uh, and we're going to see, you know, we kind of have enough, and it's it's growing at a rate where it looks like (laughs) we could maybe graduate to be a real strong institution, you know, of a... Of a, of a larger mid-size. And whether that is something that is desirable, I don't really know at this juncture. I mean, it may be that in a couple of years
6: we'll say, okay, we'll cut it all back and let's just go to doing showcases again. Uh, I, know it's or, me I, I like it, though. We I like, like
4: raising money. It actually is it's fun. And we're doing a, it is, it becomes fun. It becomes a game. It becomes like we need money. Let's go get it. We're doing a benefit on Monday night, you know, and we have $10,000 tables. And we've sold some. I'm amazed. Well, you do when you raise money and it's fun. You get to pressure people that you hate anyway. You know, <laughs> you know it's fun and all that stuff. But then <laughs> I worry. Exactly, exactly. You say you love my work. It'll be $10,000 for one night. And I'm chicken. We need chicken. Um, so, but you do that with all that stuff and it's great. But, but then I do, uh, as we as drama department, I'm always keep saying, like, you know, keep it with the company, keep it with the company. What is the company coming up with? Because I'm afraid of that moment when someone comes up and says, I have this idea, and I, my first instinct is too small. Too small. And mm-hmm. I know, and I'm terrified of that moment. The director will say, I've got this idea, but it's like, a, you know, a 16-year-old girl comes of age. And I'll be like, oh, God, less time for that. <laughs> no, I want to be able to say, like, that's, that's in, you know, let's do it, let's do it. If you love it, if you're passionate, Well, you know, chances are it's the passionate things that are always the interesting theater. I mean, I could sit here pretty well and find an old, beloved play and put two beloved actors in it and get a fashionable designer on it and make it a, I think I could make it, you know, springtime for Hitler's forbidding, but it could be like an an okay success. I mean, it's not the most, but to actually see some passionate and and raw and upsetting and wrong sometimes is always the best thing. I, I've, I've ever had.
1: This thing I've only had has always been very daring, raw, and raw, and embarrassing. We're about out of time, unfortunately, and I want to give you a couple of minutes to do to <laughs> sort of meet each other informally. So um, I want to hope you'll join me in thanking our panel. For joining us
0: Thank you for listening to SDCF Masters of the Stage, this program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographer Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members, and generous funding from the NEA, the New York State Council on the Arts, and the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council.